Hello, this is Adrian Hendricks. And Jerry Hendricks with Save One More Now, Incorporated, where our focus is to lovingly confront all activities dishonoring human life created in the image of God. There is no greater dishonor to God in human life than to reject His eternal salvation only available through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us. The focus of today's message is The Precious Blood of Jesus Christ, Part 2. By way of review, Verses 62 through 66 describe the guard detail at Jesus' tomb. The next day, that is, the day after the day of preparation for the Sabbath, the chief priests and the Pharisees assembled before Pilate and said, Sir, we have just remembered how that vagabond impostor said while he was still alive, After three days I will rise again. Therefore, give an order to have the tomb made secure and safeguarded until the third day, for fear that his disciples will come and steal him away and tell the people that he has risen from the dead and the last deception and fraud will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, You have a guard of soldiers. Take them and go. Make it as secure as you can. So they went off and made the tomb secure by sealing the boulder, a guard of soldiers being with them and remaining to watch. Matthew 28 verses 1 through 10 gives the account of Jesus' resurrection. Now after the Sabbath, near dawn of the first day of the week, Mary of Magdala and the other Mary went to take a look at the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled the boulder back and sat upon it. His appearance was like lightning, and his garments as white as snow. And those keeping guard were so frightened at the sight of him that they were agitated, and they trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be alarmed and frightened, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen, as he said he would do. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. So they left the tomb hastily with fear and great joy and ran to tell the disciples. And as they went, behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they went up to him and clasped his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be alarmed and afraid. Go and tell my brethren to go into Galilee, and there they will see me. What we must recognize is that Jesus was innocent, and charges against him were spurious. The aftermath of this tragedy is recorded at Matthew 27, verses 3 through 5. When Judas, his betrayer, saw that Jesus was condemned, Judas was afflicted in mind and troubled for his former folly, and with remorse he brought back the thirty pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned and betraying innocent blood. They replied, What is that to us? See to it yourself and casting the pieces of silver forward into the holy place of the sanctuary of the temple, he departed and went off and hanged himself. It had been determined and agreed upon from ages beyond time and before mankind was created that Jesus, innocent of all sin himself, would, as an eternal priest, take the sin of all mankind upon himself and present his own blood to his Father so that people whom God loved would have access to God. They would have the opportunity to choose to love him back through hearts that were made new by his sacrifice. The ninth chapter of the book of Hebrews explains the ritual performed by the ancient priests which foreshadowed the role Jesus would play according to the eternal plan of his Father. 
Starting at verse 1, we read, Now the first covenant had regulations for worship in the earthly sanctuary. For a tent was prepared, the first one, in which were the lampstand and the table and the presentation of the loaves, which is called the holy place. And after the second curtain was a tent called the holy of holies, containing the golden incense altar and the ark of the covenant, covered on all sides with gold, in which were a golden jar containing the manna and the rod of Aaron that budded and the tablets of the covenant. And above it were the cherubim of glory overshadowing the mercy seat about which it is not now possible to speak in detail. Now these things having been prepared in this way, the priests enter into the first tent continually as they accomplish their service, but only the high priest enters into the second tent once a year, not without blood, which he offers on behalf of himself and the sins of the people committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit was making this clear, that the way into the holy place was not yet revealed while the first tent was still in existence which was a symbol for the present time, in which both the gifts and sacrifices which were offered were not able to perfect the worshiper with respect to the conscience, concerning instead only food and drink and different washings, regulations of outward things imposed until the time of setting things right. But Christ has arrived as a high priest of the good things to come, through the greater and more perfect tent not made by hands, that is, not of this creation, and not by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered once for all into the most holy place, obtaining eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a young cow sprinkled on those who were defiled sanctify them for the ritual purity of the flesh, How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse our consciences from dead works to serve the living God? And because of this, he is the mediator of a new covenant, in order that, because a death has taken place for the redemption of transgressions committed during the first covenant, those who are the call may receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. For where there is a will, there is a necessity for the death of the one who made the will to be established. For a will is in force concerning those who are dead, since it is never in force when the one who made the will is alive. Therefore, not even the first covenant was ratified without blood. For when every commandment had been spoken by Moses to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the scroll itself and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the covenant that God has commanded for you. And likewise he sprinkled both the tabernacle and all the utensils of service with the blood. Indeed, nearly everything is purified with blood according to the law, and apart from the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness. Therefore it was necessary for the sketches of the things in heaven to be purified with these sacrifices, but the heavenly things themselves to be purified with better sacrifices than these. For Christ did not enter into a sanctuary made by hands, a mere copy of the true one, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. 
and not in order that he can offer himself many times as the high priest enters the sanctuary year by year with blood not his own, since it would have been necessary for him to suffer many times from the foundation of the world. But now he has appeared once at the end of the ages for the removal of sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is destined for people to die once, and after this, judgment, thus also Christ, having been offered once in order to bear the sins of many, will appear for the second time without reference to sin to those who eagerly await him for salvation. Jesus is holy, and we are precious to Jesus. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19 says, You must know and recognize that you were redeemed from the useless, fruitless way of living inherited by tradition from your forefathers, not with corruptible things such as silver and gold, but you were purchased with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, like that of a sacrificial lamb, without blemish or spot. Jesus' blood provides continual cleansing, as we see at 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. If we say we have no sin, we delude and lead ourselves astray, and the truth which the gospel presents is not in us and does not dwell in our hearts. If we freely admit that we have sinned and confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and continuously cleanse us from all unrighteousness, that is, everything not in conformity to His will and purpose, thought, and action. If we say we have not sinned, we contradict his word and make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. That is, the divine message of the gospel is not in our hearts. Along with the spiritual weaponry God gave us, listed at Ephesians 6, verses 14 through 18, the blood of Jesus is also a powerful weapon, and it will never lose its power. Revelation 12, 9 through 11 says this, And a great dragon was thrown down, the ancient serpent, who is called the devil, and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power of the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come, because the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, the one who accuses them before our God day and night. And they conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives until death. The thought of shedding blood and killing innocent animals may be abhorrent to many Westerners, but keep in mind that the God who created us instituted specific sacrifices of the innocent so mankind would not have been destroyed after being tricked out of the original sinless state. In addition, this sacrificial system was initially provided to the descendants of Abraham, known as Jews, and applied only to them and those who chose to live among them. But God did not stop there. He had already arranged to provide the complete abolition of sin, not just for Jewish people, but for all people everywhere. According to Revelation chapter 13, verse 8, His Son Jesus, the Lamb of God, had been slain already from the foundation of the world. At Matthew chapter 25, verse 34, Jesus explained that those chosen from the foundation of the world would spend eternity with Him. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 4 says that those of us who trust Jesus were chosen in him from the foundation of the world. 
First Peter chapter 1 verses 19 and 20 also say that Jesus was foreordained from the foundation of the world, but shown for our sakes in these last times. Jesus even said that he had been given a commandment by his Father to lay his life down and to take it back up. We can see this at John 10 verses 14 through 18 where Jesus said, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. As the Father knows me, even so know I the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they shall hear my voice, and there should be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore does my Father love me, because I lay down my life that I might take it again. No man takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. Why would we not want all that God has given us to defeat his enemy and ours? Satan is working overtime to keep us out of relationship with our Heavenly Father. Let us redouble our efforts to overcome all of his devices that would destroy us. Here is one more thing to consider for those who want to refuse God's provision of salvation because they are repulsed at the mention or thought of blood. It is not the blood of animals. It is not your blood. It is not our blood. It is the eternal blood of Jesus, which not only eliminates our sin, but makes us presentable to God. The apostle Peter refused Jesus' service when he tried to wash Peter's feet. The account is recorded at John chapter 13, verses 5 through 9. Then he poured water into the wash basin and began to wash the feet of the disciples and to wipe them dry with the towel which he had tied around himself. Then he came to Simon Peter. He said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will understand after these things. Peter said to him, You will never wash my feet forever. Jesus replied to him, Unless I wash you, you do not have a share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Unless you recognize and accept Jesus' blood sacrifice, you do not have a share with him. Please reconsider. Jesus has already done for us all of what none of us was qualified to do. He did the heavy lifting of the cross and shed his precious blood for us all. Dear Father, we thank you for those who are listening to this broadcast, and we thank you for the opportunity to speak your words to them. Many of them have accepted the payment for their sin nature by the blood of your Son, Jesus, and they love you back with everything they have and everything they are. As Jesus gave us the definition of love for you at John 14:21, as keeping the commandments he left for us, these beloved by you love you according to that standard. We thank you for them and their witness to those around them. We thank you, Father, that they are kept by your mighty power according to your word at Jude 1.24 that says you are able to keep them from falling and you do so to present them faultless before the presence of your glory with exceeding joy. We also thank you for the opportunity to speak to those who do not know you or love you and those who believe they belong to you but do not. 
We ask you to grant them the repentance that brings eternal life spoken of at Acts 11:18. We ask that you shine the light of your love into their hearts so brightly that they see their sins as you see them. We ask that they be so softened toward you that they are moved to change their minds about those sins and forsake them forever. We also ask you that everyone listening to this message will have the revelation of the great love you have for each one of them. Please, Father, let the realization of that love be so powerful as to heal every hurt and pain, break through every vestige of unbelief brought on by those who have misrepresented you, bring peace to every trauma and torment caused by life in a fallen world, fully meet every incident of lack and want, and destroy the chains of demonic bondage. Let your presence, dear Father, break through every lie that encases those you love so much so that your only Son, Jesus, is revealed to the eyes of their hearts and they know beyond knowing that the sin ransom for them was paid so they could be with you forever. We also ask, precious Father, that all these be protected from the one that would lead them away by trickery from the shelter of the shepherd and guardian of our souls, Jesus. Bring to their remembrance, dear Father, that saving faith in your Son Jesus is the only means of deliverance for them from the wrath that is coming upon the world because of those who disobey you. Thank you for hearing us. We give all praise, honor, and glory to you, loving Father, for revealing your enormous heart to us and for making us yours through the life of Jesus, the precious blood of Jesus, and the mighty resurrection of Jesus. It is in Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. We at Save One More Now Incorporated encourage all listeners to seek the Lord for His calling on your life. If you faithfully spend time with Him throughout the day, you will come to know without a doubt that He really loves you and He has a purpose for your being here. We can be reached by email at truelife at saveonemorenow.org or our telephone number in the United States, 850 850- We look forward to joining you next week, and we ask you to remember, Life is good. God gives life. God is good.